What's up, everybody? How is it going in internet wrestling community land? It is a buzz with super cool wrestling. And just because the world of professional wrestling had a pretty epic week last week, it doesn't mean that the amazing action stopped this weekend. Oh, no, 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 no. Because we're going to talk about a very significant pay-per-view event that happened last night in the Arch City of St. Louis as the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, a leader in the industry of professional wrestling for, well, at least for 73 years, Wink, has brought us an all-women's pay-per-view. So that's something exciting that we're going to talk about. We'll get all of the weird sadness and just stupidity going on as far as the corporatization, the continued corporatization of professional wrestling or sports entertainment, whatever you want to call it, marches forward. And there's random thoughts and ideas about that. But before we do anything else, before we go any further, I want to welcome you to the Heel and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news, commentary, and insight on the world of professional wrestling, brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. What's good, everybody? It is me. It is me, the big old Stevie C, kicking it with you on a Sunday afternoon, looking as only I can look and giving to you my opinion on things that happened in the world of professional wrestling this week. And might I say, even though, like I said in the open, the excitement from last week's cornucopia, so to speak, of wrestling kind of died down a little bit, evened out a little bit. But the excitement of what is happened last night and what's going to happen tomorrow night is something to keep that excitement for professional wrestling going. And I hope you were able to check out NWA Empower last night because I did and close to the end of the show we will talk about that we will review that plus we'll get into the news that's been happening in the world of professional wrestling this week anyway but before we do that before we do that just want to make a quick shout out to thank you to everyone who has been liking and notifying and subscribing to the heel and face podcast page I cannot thank you all enough uh, it seems like every day someone has a, a comment. People are commenting more on the videos, and I dig that. And I try to go back and forth as much as I can throughout the week on the comments, on the videos as they're being sent. Uh, but I'm also just super psyched to to uh, to interact with a lot of fans from all over the world. Again, gaining more fans in the United Kingdom. Shout out to Wales and all the new fans from there. Uh, love you guys, and keep checking in on the uh, on the live podcast. You can also check me out on all of my social medias. Just go to any social media you like and type in Heal and Face Podcast. You'll probably find me. I'm on Minds. I'm on Locals. I'm on Twitter, obviously, with my Twitter handle. So go and check me out and support me any way you can. I would greatly appreciate it. But don't just support me here or support my stuff. No, no, no. You got to go to the Big Daddy. You got to go to the Umbrella. You got to go to the Corporation. That's right. Go to... The Heel Turn Wrestling Facebook page at HT Wrestling 316, just like the crawl is telling you right now. Go to Heel Turn Wrestling, HT Wrestling 316, and you can also like, share, subscribe 
to the other super dope podcasts that are a part of the network. We are the fastest growing fan-oriented, fan-driven sports entertainment site on the planet. We have awesome podcasts like this one. We also have To the Turnbuckle. We have the owner and evil genius of Heel Turn Wrestling, Billy Alexander, with his podcast. And he also let us know that he is probably going to post some of his promotions shows live here as well so you can come here for live independent professional wrestling as well how cool is that and don't forget our sickly dank and our dankly sick meme department alcoholic adam blogger fantasy booker extraordinaire leo the man when it comes to all the really good not only uh, wrestling memes or memes related to promotions inside the united states but we are worldwide, Daddy. We're global. So all the really cool memes that have anything to do with anything that's going on in the world, uh, we got them. So check us out again at Heel Turn Wrestling at HG Wrestling 316 on Facebook. Well, let's get right to it, shall we? Yeah, I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm just going to get right to the news. Um, and what... Uh, the biggest news is obviously in the world of professional wrestling right now, which is the status of one Adam Cole. Uh, so, you know, the rumors that Adam Cole is going to be uh, going right to AEW, you know, to join his friends and whatnot. And Adam Cole officially had let his contract re, uh, not re-up. He just let it lapse, and he is now a free agent. So the biggest question is, is he still unlikely to sign or re-sign with WWE? Now, you know, we all know business is business, right? And... In a perfect world, we all get whatever we want. We all get to work with our friends. We all get to work with our uh, significant others. And in this case, it's not a secret that he is dating or engaged or married to, who knows, Britt Baker, DMD, current AEW Women's Champion. But there's still a little tiny bit of... A personality, not flaw, but a personality tick that people have. People just, you know, they have something inside of them that they want to prove to the rest of the world that they can still do it on their own and they are their own person. I mean, that's intrinsic with every human being. So the question then boils down to, does Adam Cole think that he can actualize himself better at AEW or staying with WWE? It seems like the giant push that he would receive would be straight into the Intercontinental Championship program with Nakamura. A guy, by the way, he's familiar with, with Bolt Club and, and Japanese wrestling and all that kind of stuff. So, But is that Adam Cole's best course of action right now? 
you know the edict is out there. No more midgets. We also know that apparently he and Vince had about an hour-long meeting at a SmackDown taping. And Vince doesn't meet with guys for an hour. At least not anymore. So for Adam Cole to take that meeting to an hour, it's pretty special. And I'm sure he laid out everything possible for Adam Cole to, uh, to Vince about who Adam Cole is and what he's all about and his character. And I'm sure Vince gave him the line of, well, they can pay you more, pal. He probably gave it to him. I think it's wishful thinking for a lot of people to hope that Adam Cole does, in fact, go to AEW. And yes, I'm not going to lie. Now with the recent signing of CM Punk and the possible signing of Daniel Bryan in the weeks to come, Matches with those two would be very, very intriguing. And they need it. AEW needs star power right now. They made the mistake of signing way too many WWE guys. After making the mistake of signing way too many indie darlings. And now they need guys that can elevate the sport to new heights. So if Adam Cole does sign with AEW, there's nowhere else to go but for the AEW World Championship. Or else why bring him in? So he can do more BTE videos on YouTube? I wouldn't be interested in that if I was him. I would stay away from that as far as possible if I was him. Now, here's the other intriguing things. Is that one... Adam Cole got on his Twitch account and basically said, hey, guys, I have to be off of here for a while. I'm not giving up this channel. I promised you I wouldn't. I just need to sort some things out. Basically, he said that in a in a in a tweet and in a message on Twitch and somebody screenshotted it and published it somewhere. So he basically didn't shut down his Twitch account. He also didn't say that he was going to keep posting on here either. So the other intriguing piece of information is just two days ago, Amazon had a uh, toy reveal stream with Mattel and that stream featured Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole playing with Mattel WWE action figures. And I think people are putting too many of the pieces together on this one, trying to jam a square peg and a round hole on this one. Because as someone else pointed out on the internet that Funko Pop just released a Fiend Funko and uh, Pop and uh, uh, the Fiend hasn't been uh, employed by WWE for about a month, month and a half now. So are we reading too into this? I mean, who knows? Given what Keith Lee said on his video about two, three weeks ago, uh, we probably are. Whatever decision that Adam Cole makes, even though it's probably unlikely that he's going to resign with WWE, whatever decision that Adam Cole makes, He's going to get paid, one. But two, he's got to make sure that wherever he lands, he can achieve that superstar status that he deserves and that he is. 
He could do it with WWE. I don't think Vince is interested. And honestly, that kind of is a domino effect for everybody else. For in, in my opinion, for uh, unfortunately for Kyle O'Reilly, unfortunately for you know Pete Dunne, who hasn't really signed back, even though he was on uh, NXT challenging Samoa Joe. Um, for for the Isaiah Scotts and you know even honestly honestly even for like Dominic Mysterios and, and that kind of of ilk you know there's not much life left for guys who organically got themselves over yet they don't look like Hulk Hogan or Lex Luger or The Rock so we shall see what happens to Adam Cole and I would really hate to see. The WWE lose an actual good wrestler because of Vince's ego and Vince's um, inability to be flexible and change with the times and see his vision. So good luck. Godspeed, Adam Cole. Although it's not like NXT is going to be a destination anymore anyway. Because the rumors that we've been hearing are now 100% true that NXT is getting a revamped look. Everything is changing about it and even the tone and even uh, how the marketing is going to look. And I did make a prediction last week that Samoa Joe will most likely be the last NXT champion. And uh, it sure looks that way. Even in this atrocious logo, the WWE presented this new NXT logo and announced a new direction officially during Friday Night SmackDown. Now, barring the fact that this logo looks like an AEW Dynamite logo ripoff, you know, if you've seen the open for AEW Dynamite, you know, it's all brightly colored and whatnot. Given the fact that it, it, it looks like this, it, it's also just, this is something that a marketing company puts out that isn't serious about their work, but they also don't want to actually formally do a public opinion work on it. So they just throw something out there and say, Hey guys, what do you think? And then when everybody hates it, you know, uh, they'll say, well, that's not our fault. You know, blah, blah, blah. This is one of those things. This NXT logo is atrocious. It is a train wreck. And this is designed for us to hate NXT because in, in two years, NXT is not going to exist. That's my prediction. It's not going to exist mostly because of Vince's jealousy that the product is better than his. I mean, he'd probably be getting rid of SmackDown if it not were the fact that Fox is so monetarily invested in SmackDown. And by the way, um, they're not happy uh, that they – Something I forget exactly. They're not happy about the direction of a couple of wrestlers that they wanted, and then uh, you know, and to and NXT. I'm sorry, not NXT. USA Network is not happy that Brock Lesnar got the debut on SmackDown. So Vince's head might be swimming right now, despite the fact that he's in his 70s and and growing senile by the day. But back to the NXT logo. Again, this is something that businesses put forth so that you start hating the product and it's basically you're they're mentally weaning you away from something that they don't want you to like or support etc cetera, etc cetera. same things happening 
and hopefully I won't, I won't, I won't say too much information. Um, but some of you, if you do a deep dive on my background and my name and all that stuff, you, you can easily figure it out. But, um, wow, it's almost 20 years ago, believe it or not, almost 20 years ago, I worked at a high school and it was the first high school that I, I taught in as a full-time English teacher. And it was a school where, uh, you know, a lot of issues, a lot of these stereotypical issues that would, you would see in an urban setting were there, uh, you know, low graduation, low, low reading levels, low test scores, low graduation rates, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I, I and uh, my other friends were brought in specifically to reinvigorate the school. Well, we did that successfully. And in five years, we improved all the test scores. We improved graduation rates. We improved attendance rates. We improved all these things just by infusing young talent in uh, and uh, changing kind of the culture of the building. Don't discount how big culture is wherever you are as far as environment, school, or professional wrestling federation. Well, anyway, so I had I left there a long time ago. And most recently, I went, actually last Friday, Friday night, I went to a high school football game in the area closer to me where my old school, where I used to teach, was playing against them. Now, this this high school not only had a very vital, thriving, uh, perennial powerhouse football team, but the band and the boosters were the biggest in the city. The band was close to about 60 students. There were about 50 girls on the dance team and a couple of boys. And they had at least 10 cheerleaders, I think one boy cheerleader. So this whole pep squad, if you want to put it all under one umbrella, pep squad was huge about 15 years ago. But now because the school board is trying to get people away from the school. They're trying to discourage people from going. They're trying to blame funding and trying to blame population, trying to blame a whole bunch of factors that they're trying to make up to blame for the reason why they don't want to keep the school open anymore. And they're trying to justify closing it. So they're going to do everything in their power to kill anybody's love for the school. And this has now gotten so bad to the point where this once massive, beloved, supported pep association, booster association, has now boiled down to about five kids in band, uh, five, uh, five dance team members, and like three cheerleaders. It was the saddest thing I ever heard. And I talked to my buddies about it. And basically, they said, yeah, they've been trying to shut down the school for about five years now. And now they finally, they just keep finding ways to do it, including decreasing money that they're going to be giving to the boosters and to uh, the band program to keep them afloat. So I say that to say that just like the school and the school district has been weaning us towards shutting this school down completely, the same is true with NXT, Vince McMahon, Nick Khan, they have been weaning us off of NXT, and I would assume in about three to five years, NXT won't even exist, let alone be the amazing product that it is now. It'll be just basically obstacle courses and... Uh, training vignettes, and it'll be probably the most boring hour of network television produced by professional wrestling, and that's saying a lot. So here's the logo for one last time, because honestly, I don't want to dwell on it anymore. But yeah, I, I'm going to be very, 
recalcitrant and changing over the NXT logo. I'm sure I will at some point very soon, but I'm not going to do it at least until the new NXT show uh, programs it. And then everyone can laugh at how much it looks like the AEW Dynamite logo. And then we'll just we'll just move on to the next topic of conversation. We go from that to another fiasco. NXT's quote-unquote direct competition. I don't even think it was that direct or whatever, but NXT's competition was or is AEW, speaking of them. And then the internet just isn't for some people. And if you think the WWE is having their problems with their corporate structure, their chief branding officer, Brandy Rhodes, has also been struggling with Basically, her job, which is to make sure that the brand is represented very well all the time. So I don't know where this came from. I don't know what headspace this was. And she deleted this tweet. But the Internet and Pepperidge Farm remember. So Brandy Rhodes had this to say in a tweet. She said, this might start some poop emoji. But let's talk. I see a lot of people complaining on here that there aren't enough black talent featured in wrestling. Yet, when Black Talent is out there busting it in main events and holding championships, where's the love? Am I just missing it? Shortly after she tweeted it, she was reminded by Twitter that her direct competition, WWE, has an African-American champion in Bobby Lashley. That the universal champion is also mixed race, half African-American. Or no, I'm sorry, half Italian. Uh, it's the Usos. That's right. I'm sorry. The Usos, who currently hold the tag championships, are half African-American. And she was reminded that before SummerSlam, three-fourths of the WWE's champions were African-American or people of color. So, yeah. And then, and then of course, because again – the internet doesn't forget. Someone else reminded her that not one of AEW's current champions are people of color. So, yeah, we took a big L on this one. I've said it before and I've said it again. The internet is not for everybody. Twitter is not for everybody. And especially uh, people who are supposed to be the chief branding officer for a promotion that is trying to be the number two promotion in America right now. Now I get it. Some people say dumb things. Yes, we all say dumb things. We just talked about last week people saying dumb things, especially in professional wrestling. This is not the first time people pointed out that Brandy's missed the mark when trying to make some type of uh, statement about race and culture, especially when it comes to professional wrestling this isn't the first time she's tried to be profound and yet was profoundly stupid in the comment which is why she got rid of it pretty quickly so i don't know what she was trying to say i don't know what she was trying to get at exactly when she made this statement but yeah she said it so there you go there's that I really think that this should be a learning lesson. I think that this should be 
something that she should grow from. Hopefully, I don't think she has any experience being a brand officer. I mean, I don't know about her background. She might have a degree in communications or whatever. Maybe that's probably how she got into wrestling the first. I think she was supposed to be a announcer, but she wanted to actually wrestle. But this is a rookie mistake, especially from someone who's representing a brand. And if she's trying to make some kind of statement, I mean, I guess you can see that she was probably trying to make a statement to encourage more people of color to to uh, take a hold of their uh, careers as professional wrestlers. Maybe so. Who knows? This just really came out as woefully inept, ignorant, and let's let's just put it plainly uh, a baiting question so to speak so I would like to think that the chief operating branding officer of AEW next time may be a little more judicious in some of the things that she tweets out whether she is tweeting ex cathedra from the company's perspective or not well I will say this one thing to be excited about, speaking of generally under or unrepresented populations and culture, one thing that we can all be excited about was the NWA putting on an all-female, all-female produced pay-per-view titled NWA Empower with three R's. And I would love to talk about it. I had a lot of fun watching it. It was a blast. Huge response on Twitter. Trending on Twitter all night. Very good uh, responses from everyone all over the professional wrestling world. Uh, in the beloved internet wrestling community and in, on wrestling Twitter. Uh, very high praise from everyone last night. Uh, had a great time watching it. And uh, when we come back, I'm going to take a quick quick, quick break. When we come back, we're going to get right into my review of NWA Empower. So stick around. You are watching and listening to the Heel and Face podcast brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. Back in a few. All right. Hey, thanks for joining me on the Heel and Face podcast, the podcast dedicated to news information and commentary about the world of professional wrestling. And I'm brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. And I know you dig us. We're at 100,000. We're under like 104,000 likes and 100 and some thousand subscribers. So if I had one of those applause buttons, I would hit it right now. And I know you love us and I know you dig us. And I know you want to be more connected to us. Well, I mean, bro, as Matt Riddle would say, you just need to get with our gear as well. Just go to prowrestlingtees.com backslash heel turn wrestling and you yourself can be one of the cool kids who buys our merch for our shows. It's that simple. Just go to Facebook. I'm sorry. Just go to prowrestlingtees.com backslash heel turn wrestling, and you can take a look at all the glory that is heel turn wrestling's merch. You can take a look and buy Billy Alexander the Franchise Takes Five podcast T-shirts. You can rep the brand by wearing heel turn wrestling's logo 
uh, please do to your local independent show. That would be super dope if you did. You can go and buy Alcoholic Adams t-shirt, the interviewer extraordinaire. And of course, if you want to go to back to school with that back to school drip, that back to school floss, that back to school A-yo, you want to wear the hottest, the drippiest, moistest t-shirt on our site, the Healing Face Podcast t-shirt. Look how clean that is. That is a clean white. You can wear that with black skinny jeans and a belt. And you could wear it with a flannel and blue jeans and Timberlands and throw it back to the 90s. You could do whatever you want with that T-shirt. That T-shirt goes with everything. Of course, all of our T-shirts at ProWrestlingTees.com go with everything. So once you order mine, order everybody else's. Do it. All your friends are doing it. It will make you feel good. That is ProWrestlingTees.com backslash heel turn wrestling, all one word. The ProWrestlingTees.com backslash heel turn wrestling you'll be happy you did you know i was happy that i did something last night which was buy the bundle on fight not a sponsor but just letting you know that i bought the bundle for nwa and power and 73 now i can't make any guarantees i'm gonna watch 73 tonight i'm probably just gonna chill tonight and maybe watch it tomorrow when i have more time because the Browns are playing tonight, so I'm just going to watch that. Yes, I know it's a preseason game. You know, get off me. But I do want to talk about the most fun thing, the most unexpectedly fun pay-per-view I've seen in a while, and that is NWA Empower. So top to bottom, this was a solid pay-per-view. It was a lot of fun to watch. Were there times that were clunky? Yeah, not a lot of the talent have had the chance to interact with each other uh, on a deeper level, a deep enough level to work. But there was nothing really to criticize negatively about it, uh, just the matches themselves possibly. But as a whole, extremely well-produced. The look was great. It looked like it was an old school wrestling, you know, uh, not indie, but, you know, like a studio uh, show that, that would have been done like in uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling or uh, Jim Crockett Promotions or Bill Watts or whatever. It had that feel to it, which was pretty cool. And I really did appreciate that. Uh, Mickey James came out to address the crowd to thank everybody and to show how important uh, women's wrestling is. And honest to God, why, when are people going to stop telling people no? Actually, you know what? Don't stop telling people no. I'm glad that some numb nuts in WWE corporate, quite possibly Stephanie McMahon herself, said women's wrestling doesn't draw. I'm happy. I'm glad that that happened because then that allows for people to get their crap together and have an amazing pay-per-view, which was really sad because I really was expecting the Mae Young Classic to become, or at least Evolution, to become a thing. And WWE blew it, and WWE's loss is NWA's gain. So let's talk about it specifically then. Let's just go uh, match for match and go from there. 
the match, uh, the, the night started off, obviously, like I said, with um, Mickey James addressing the crowd and uh, thanking everybody who came. And then we go to the first match, which was a best of the or battle of the uh, battle of the brands match. It was Kylie Ray from Impact. Well, they said she was NWA. I thought she went back to Impact. I'm not sure. Uh, versus Cheek Tormenta from AAA versus Diamante from AEW. So. Opening match, just go right at it. Triple threat, let's go, let's get it. Um, I really like Chick Tormenta. She's really good. Uh, very stiff and, and powerful. Don't know much about her, obviously, because I haven't seen a whole lot of AAA, but what I saw, you know, she could go, um, which is a recurring theme. And I hope to not come off and say, well, I'm shocked that this female wrestler can go. I'm shocked that this female wrestler can go. I don't want it to be like that. I want it to be more of the sense of, the obviously the NWA president William Corrigan producers Mickey James Gail Kim whatnot did not want to just throw the hottest names or just throw a bunch of people. I think they wanted a great mix of people who could actually look good doing what they are doing, and it worked. And that's another reason why it was so good. It wasn't like I mean for 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 all his credit, the May Young Classic. It, um, they did cherry pick the top names and it was good for that reason. But a lot of the other good things about empower was that there wasn't a lot of household names. You know, of course there's quite a few people, quite a few women who were already signed with other places couldn't be there. But in the grand scheme of things, you've got a good mix of uh, maybe up and comers. We'll talk about them later. Uh, we've got a good mix of uh, veterans and good mix of in-between people, you know, women who are notable in their territory, notable in their home promotion and just needed that extra little elevated boost to uh, be on a national scale. And um, it worked. It was, it was a darn near perfect all night. Well, back to this match. The only thing that kind of got me was I don't know if it was ring rust or not, but Kylie Ray didn't grab me as much as she may have in the past. Uh, I know that there was a reason she left wrestling for a little while, had something to do with uh, her mental health, which I'm glad she got that straightened out. And I'm glad she's happy enough that she can come back to professional wrestling. Interesting, uh, like wrestling exchanges, you know, Kylie Ray's being the positive one, you know, Chick Tormenta and Diamante are kind of uh, Diamante are kind of being the heels, which is how they worked. It was, it was, you know, good stuff. Um, the uh, the beginning was the three woman lockup, the knuckle lockup in the beginning, and then Chick Tormenta breaks it, um, comes off, uh, you know, shoots already shoots into the ropes. Um, hard hitting action. They didn't like avoid the heels fighting each other too. Chick Tormenta and Diamante got it mixed up uh, pretty pretty well together, so that was good. Kylie Ray coming off the bench, so to speak, to do her spots and get the crowd fired up. Uh, Diamante put uh, Kylie Ray in the three amigos. Overall, it was a good match. It wasn't fantastic. It had some some issues, but uh, they they knew what they were doing. Diamante 
came to the announce table while she walked up, slammed a chain on the announce desk right by uh, Velvet Sky, who was on commentary. And then, of course, Chekhov's gun, right? Diamande used the chain, but not in the way you think. She threw it in the ring to distract the referee. Soon as the referee's back was turned on Chick Tormenta, uh, Diamante uh, got Kylie Ray and finished her off for the one, two, three. So the winner of the battle of the brands was Diamante. And I do want to remember, I do want to point out, this was, again, this is another place where you can have interesting, like, spots and different things that happen. And I thought it was really fun when um, I think Chick Tormenta put, uh, no, Kylie Ray uh, put Chick Tormenta in the cross face and somehow had her, both of them had their shoulders pinned kind of like in a backslide maneuver. I think Chick Tormenta turned it into, like, a backslide or tried to. Uh, when she was getting out. So then all Diamante did was she just pushed them over and made them land on their shoulders and then pushed them down for the for the pin. So that was inventive. That's the kind of stuff I like to see when I watch pro wrestling. I like to see like the cool, weird, quirky, innovative moves that the wrestlers use on each other from time to time. So Diamante is your winner. You go, girl. You're doing your thing. The next was the... Uh, semi-final for the newly refashioned uh, resurrected NWA women's tag team belts so it was a semi-final and it consisted of Hell on Wheels with Renee Michelle and Sahara 7 versus the Hacks Allison Kay and Marty Bell not gonna lie they're my personal favorites going into this match a little biased because uh, I think they follow me on Twitter and I follow them back because you know we're like best friends now that now that happens. I didn't want to seem like a weird stalker kind of guy and yet here we were. So these two uh, are, have formed the Hex. Um, I am really impressed with Renee Michelle and Sahara 7. I don't know if they're going to continue to be a tag team or not. You know, they can definitely challenge, uh, you know, really good workers, really strong uh, especially uh, Sahara 7. Uh, some of the, the shots that she was firing off were fantastic. Uh, you know, they there were a couple of, you know, semi-clunky spots in it, but I don't think it took away from everything. I think there was a beatdown of Marty Bell that didn't look great, and it looked like they were telegraphing some moves too, especially some of the strikes and some of the punches. But I, it never... It, it never distracted me from the ultimate goal, which was to get the Hex to be your winners. They The Hex pulled off uh, their finishing move. I believe it's called the Hexecution. Um, great match all around. I enjoyed it. It, it, was, it was. Marty Bell took a lot of the uh, punishment from the heels. Uh, the heels uh, were very good again. Big things for Renee Michael, um, Renee Michelle, and Sahara Seven as we move forward in the NWA. But the winners, sorry, I'm going with the Hex anyway. Um, then the other semifinal match was very entertaining, a bit a bit surprising from what I heard when I was doing more research about it before I bought it. There's some familiar faces. So this match featured two AEW stars 
Red Velvet and Kylan King teamed up against Lock Up Your Sons, Hide Your Husbands. That's right. The Free Babes are in town. You heard me right. The Free Babes. Who are the Free Babes, you might ask? Well, the Free Babes are second-generation professional wrestling females who have formed one of the baddest teams in tag team history. Free Babes consist of Jazzy Yang and Miranda Gordy. I know those names already sound familiar. With Hollywood Haley J. They formed the Free the Babes. The Free Babes. Sorry, the Free Babes. Uh, if you were uh, paying attention, yes. Jazzy Yang, sound familiar? That's right. She is the daughter of Jimmy Wang Yang. And Miranda Gordy is the daughter of the late Terry Bam Bam Gordy. So they decided to come together along. By the way, let's not, no disrespect. Let's, uh, Hollywood Haley J's mother is the amazing Mariah from OVW. So the three of them have formed in their friendship and training together with OVW, training here in the Midwest. They have formed the Free Babes. I don't know if they're going to be from uh, Bad Street, Atlanta, GA or not. They might be from Bad Street, Cincinnati, Ohio, or Lima, Ohio. One of the two. I would say that Lima, Ohio is worse. Ha ha. Sorry. Anyway, uh, this match, classic heels because classic faces. And I'm going to bring up a point here that is probably going to sour me with AEW fans, and I am not really caring. Um, you know, again, I try to give the hot takes and I try to give my honest opinion on the show and, uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but, uh, honestly, Kylan King and Red Velvet were way better, way better on this pay-per-view than they've ever been in AEW. And I floated this out there again. I'm a ca I caught a little bit of heat on Twitter, and I'm going to catch heat probably now. I'm going to reiterate what I said on Twitter, which was, it seems like in an oddly interesting twist that the AEW wrestlers are more relaxed and less botchtastic when they're not on AEW than when they are. If... You would have seen Red Velvet and Kylan King go last night. You would have assumed that they were like 10-year seasoned veterans who have been working together and who have just almost pretty much perfected their craft. A long, far cry from the botchtasticness of AW Dynamite or AW Dark. So I wonder if there is almost too much pressure for the women of AEW to be good. Seeing as though they still, and I will stick with this until I see otherwise, AEW's women's division is still literally the worst division. Just because Britt Baker has made leaps and bounds and she's amazing, she unfortunately has too much of an anchor of the rest of the division for her to try to pull up. But I will say, if Red Velvet and Kylan King can continue to look as good as they looked last night, then maybe I'll be wrong, and I would love to be wrong. If I am wrong, let me know. Like, share, subscribe, and comment below if you're watching along on Facebook.
this was a classic heel versus classic face match. And it was a lot of fun. Um, you had uh, Miranda and Kylie do the, the big woman standoffs and stuff, classic stuff. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of Miranda Gordy. She looks, wrestles, fights like her dad. And that is a compliment, by the way. Uh, the, she was throwing a lot of heavy forearms, a lot of heavy clubbing blows, a lot of uh, she's very heavy fisted, very strong, powerful. Uh, at one point, she gorilla pressed Red Velvet. And Red Velvet doesn't really weigh a lot, but um, gorilla pressed Red Velvet over her head. I mean, clearly the powerhouse of the of the team. And that's not to put to bed how good. Jazzy Yang is. She's only 18. Guys, she's only 18. And she was fantastic. She took over. She started the match with Red Velvet and took over. Because usually heels take over. She automatically, she just walked across the ring, kicked during the stomach, and put her in a headlock. Classic heel stuff. And this is coming from an 18-year-old. Okay? So I'm really pleased to see that, that, that she's doing it like this. It was an 80s vibe. She came out like Shogun. Jazzy Yang, uh, you know, the, the, the Freebirds Haley J came out with the big shades and the 80s, like um, Gordy was in the bomber jacket and Hollywood Haley J was in the fur. Um, that was uh, just a fun match all around. Um, you know, Red Velvet and Kylan King got the appropriate amount of babyface heat. They came back. It looked good. It looked strong. The moves that they were putting on each other were fantastic. Um and then uh, at the end, highly entertaining. But there was, as we used to say in the 80s, a malfunction at the junction. So um, uh, Kylan King is uh, set to uh, – it's got uh, – uh, I guess Kylan King has got Jazzy uh, Yang in a precarious situation or Jazzy Yang had a headlock or something about ready to perform a move. But uh, – Somehow, uh, I guess Mar uh, Miranda Gordy was coming off the top rope for a double team move, but Kylan King got out of the way and just shoved Jazzy Yang into Miranda Gordy for the uh, the heel team classic heel team miscommunication, and then that gave Kylan King the opportunity to put uh, Jazzy Yang in her finishing maneuver. Uh, I think it's called the for, the Forbidden Kingdom or the Kingdom's the Kingdom's Reign or something like that. I I don't know. I'm sorry I missed the name of it. But in the end, it was a one, two, three, and your winner is advancing to the finals of the uh, the women's tag team tournament. Kylan King and Red Velvet. Not to be outdone, however, um, was uh, – and this was funny. I was trying to live tweet, and I, I ended up being a half hour behind, so it wasn't really live tweeting. But I was just trying to give you know quick updates and mentions and see if anybody wanted to talk about it. But on Twitter, I talked about it, and I got retweeted by Haley J, who claimed that they cheated, which I believe her. I believe you, girl. I saw it. It happened. So I'm with her. There was a lot of uh, – there was there was a lot of chicanery and shenanigans happening at the time of the match, but uh, nonetheless.
We now had the finals between Kylan King, Red Velvet, and The Hex. So we move on from that to a really touching moment. We saw Gail Kim return, and she was you know, very effusive about her praise about how far women's wrestling has gone and, and how it, for her it meant something and it was very important to her for her to be here. She's honored to be here so she could make up a part of uh, the history of women's wrestling and the evolution of it because that's where she was. Um, and then no sooner was she thanking the NWA for being there, but her old nemesis from Impact, Taryn Terrell, made her way to the ring, interrupting Gail Kim's heartfelt address to the NWA faithful. And in tow of Tara Terrell were uh, Genocide and Paula Blaze. Answering a question that no one ever asked. So Terrell grabbed the mic from Gail Kim and started to uh, proceed to... Uh, Thank the crowd for coming out to see her and her alone. Uh, she basically implied that she put Gil Kim on the map, etc., etc. Acknowledge me, that kind of thing. But then the big shocker from out of nowhere, boom, out of all people, that's right. Awesome Kong made her way down to the ring. Another longtime rival of Gail Kim's. Well, this looked pretty ominous because not only were Paula Blaze and Genocide in the ring with Taryn Terrell, but now you have Awesome Kong. So we were praying that nothing happened to Gail Kim, and nothing did because Awesome Kong laid out Genocide and Paula Blaze. Didn't touch Taryn Terrell, by the way. She got out of, of Dodge quickly enough. And then Awesome Kong grabbed the mic, which she very rarely does. And she started crying and she appreciated Gail Kim for being a friend for as long as she has been. And Kong officially announced her retirement from professional wrestling. So good for her, uh, you know, for someone who had uh, all the potential in the world, took advantage of it. And unfortunately, because of injuries and personal reasons, she's always had a stop, start, stop, start of her professional wrestling career. Uh, but, you know, she made the best of it. She's she's not to be denied as a great, great wrestler. She deserves this retirement. Um, assuming she's going to keep trying to parlay her career into acting, uh, you know, further pursue that and further pursue a career as an influencer or whatnot. So uh, congratulations to Awesome Kong. And then they had a nice little hug in the middle of the ring. That was really sweet. That was a really nice moment uh, for NWA and Power. And then we go from that to probably arguably the match of the night, the most hard-hitting, most probably physically grueling match of the night was a special attraction championship for the Impact Knockouts Championship between La Reina de Reinas, the belt collector, Diana Two Belts, the virtuoso Diana Perrazzo fought Molina for the Impact Knockouts Championship. Now, it wasn't for both. It wasn't for the uh, AAA uh, Reina de Reinas. It wasn't for that one. It was just for the Impact Knockout uh, 
championship. And Molina came out. Entrance is fire as always. Uh, Molina looked fantastic. She could still go in the ring. Not a problem there. Uh, they they locked up. They wrestled a bit. Had a lot of you know great exchanges, backing up, backing up, uh, back and forth physically as far as grappling was good. Um, started pulling out some of the the maneuvers and some of the higher impact stuff throughout the match, and then ended the match with uh, submissions and holds. Um, Melina tried a couple of her old moves. Tried to do uh, the knee strike, and that's what got her in trouble. Her knee kind of buckled halfway through the match, gave out. Deanna Perrazzo capitalized uh, by stretching her, putting her in compromising situations, uh, going after the knee, attacking it. Uh, looked at somebody, you know what? God bless Molina. She wanted to continue. The refs asked her a couple of times if she wanted to quit. She said no. Uh, she continued. She even threw another knee strike, and she tried to uh, put – uh, Deanna Perrazzo in a maneuver, but her knee gave out. I think she was trying to do a Death Valley driver, or, or a, I think she didn't do a Death Valley driver. Did someone out there correct me? Didn't Molina at one point have like a swinging TKO knockout? I'm not 100% sure, but one of you will let me know. Anyway, so the match, uh, you know, Molina sold the knee, sold the knee, sold the knee. It was really painful. She could barely walk and stand. She couldn't perform any of her moves. Uh, she tried to. Put a finishing move on her, but uh, you know Deanna Perrazzo escaped. Uh, put her in the virtuoso armbar. Molina fought out of that, so Perrazzo uh, trapped her other arm, pulled both shoulders back. Molina still wouldn't give up after that. She uh, was inching toward the rope to put her right leg over the bottom rope, but uh, Perrazzo saw that coming and grabbed Molina's leg and just cinched it back over and then pulled back on the, on the arm that she still had a hold of. So she has her left arm still trapped from the virtuosa arm bar and the leg trap now pulling it back in like a half crab. And unfortunately as flexible as Molina is, she definitely had to tap one, two, three, your winner and still Impact Knockouts champion, the virtuosa Donna Diana Perrazzo. Uh, that match was stiff. They were blasting each other with chops and kicks, and it was it was it was painful to watch a little bit. It's probably the best match of the night as far as uh, how the match was put together and how they went at each other. So, uh, fantastic match. Um, after that just led right into, they just didn't stop. They really didn't stop. They just went match after match after match. And they came with the NWA women's tag team championship final match between the hex and red velvet and Kylan King. Again, uh, this was a good match. It, it wasn't great. And I am biased. I was rooting for the hex, but uh, again, they kind of broke out in the it was the the big woman standoff between Allison Kay and Kylan King. Kylan King is really good, by the way. She's way better than she was. And again, I, I hate to say it, but for some reason or another, the pressure's off when they're not in AEW. And they actually wrestled a really good match. She just was back and forth. I don't think Marty Bell took a lot of the punishment. This time I think Allison Kay actually took a lot of the punishment. Uh, there were some you know double teams and some really good maneuvers. Um Red Velvet and Kylie King worked well together despite not 
you know, matching as far as gimmick goes, uh, as friends go. I mean, well, to be fair, you know, the Hex, when they started off, they really didn't match. And then because they became best friends, they kind of made themselves match. So a lot of emotions, a good, good, good false finishes. Uh, it really looked like at some point Red Velvet and Al, and, uh, and, and Kylan King were going to win. You know, they, they really put it out there on, they laid it out there. And in the end, um, the, uh, the Hex, uh, I believe they put Red Velvet in the Hexecution. And they put uh, the Hexclamation point on Kylan King. They took out the bigger wrestler and just double teamed the smaller wrestler. Came up one, two, three. Your new women's tag team champions of the NWA, the Hex, Allison K and Marty Bell. It was a nice moment. It was a nice moment because Medusa was out there. She came out in fatigues for some reason and she awarded them the belt. So that was a nice moment there. And uh, it was a nice show of sportsmanship as King and Velvet got up and shook the new champion's hands. It was a nice moment, nice gesture. They were favorites of mine, so I'm a little biased. The, the match, again, was good. It wasn't great. Uh, it was better than the first two they had. I think they just probably tried to save energy until they get to this one and kind of went more all out with it. Uh, but, you know, uh, their combination double-team moves are pretty good, uh, and they were a lot of fun to watch. So I'm glad uh, we've got new champions. So that was really nice. Speaking of resurrected titles, the next thing that happened was as the competitors for the World Women's Championship match between Camille and Layla Hirsch, legit Layla Hirsch, were announced, uh, Billy Corrigan made his way to the ring with the exact NWA Women's title belt held by Mildred Burke in 1964, first crafted in 1936. That Billy Corrigan, man, that is a classy... Dude, I'm telling you, this dude knows what he's doing, and he was just, I mean, just just a nice touch of getting that belt and bringing it out. Now, they didn't give it to him. If I was Camille, I may have actually wanted to swap that belt out. It's probably brittle, and it's probably, uh, you know, not really fit for long-time exposure, but still, if I was Camille, I mean, I would have, like, made a charge at it. Um, so... The height advantage was obviously a thing. The strength advantage was obviously a thing. Although Layla Hirsch is put together, so she looks pretty strong as it is. I mean, she's, you know, she looks like a fire hydrant, but she's uh, legit. So uh, the match started off slow with some work and some wrestling, a little bit of grappling, uh, you know, feeling each other out. Uh, Layla Hirsch kind of trying to come on strong, but Camille, the heel, took over the match. Um, she did what she wanted to do. She went out to the ring, uh, throwing Layla Hirsch around, threw her into the steps, threw her into the, uh, the guardrail, right next to Stri the rest of Strictly Business. By the way, if you're not following NWA, Strictly Business is NWA World Heavyweight Champion Nick Aldis, Chris Adonis, the, I believe is the North American Champion, NWA Champion, and Thomas Lattimore, along with Camille, makeup, Strictly business. And while Camille was putting the boots to Layla Hirsch, she had enough time to lean over and get a smooch from her hubby, Thomas Lattimore. So there you go. That was a thing. 
Kabil took over the entire match. Uh, you know, she was dragging Layla Hirsch around, uh, beating her up, just out-muscling her, out-toughing her. Uh, Layla Hirsch had a nice comeback. Layla Hirsch had a nice little uh, face run. She did a, uh, a uh, sunset flip bomb on Camille. Uh, oh, by the way, for, now that we're doing that, I forgot to mention that uh, I think uh, Chick Tormenta pulled one off on Diamante, but uh, that was another one of the really great moves of the night. Um, anyway, back to the match. Good stuff. Uh, Layla Hirsch came back, fired two huge uh, shotgun uh, knees to Camille's face while Camille was on the ground. Uh, looked like she was going to come back, had some legit false finishes. Um, but in the end, uh, the champ overwhelmed her, grabbed her, threw her, just basically tossed her halfway across the ring, set her up for the spear, one, two, three, and still NWA Women's Champion Camille. And again, I'm going to say this, I'm going to reiterate something that I said about five minutes, five, ten minutes ago. The last time I saw Layla Hirsch was botching terribly on AEW. And how her botch was so bad that obviously it made botchamania. How none of her strikes looked good. How nothing she did was legit. And it really soured me because the only other place I saw her was on an XWX uh, pay-per-view in Germany on the Peacock Network. But now, for some reason, again, the AEW stars tonight were way better on this pay-per-view than they are in their home promotion. So again, I wonder if there's just too much pressure in AEW for the women to be good. I wonder if there's too much pressure for them to survive. I wonder if there's too much pressure on them, uh, uh, you know, because they didn't look rushed. Layla Hirsch did not look rushed. She didn't. None of her strikes looked terrible. Maybe she wrestled stiff because it's Camille. Who knows? I don't know. None of, uh, you know, her 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 offense didn't look non-legit. Let's be real. So it's just curious to me, but I'm glad. I hope that Layla Hirsch, Diamante, Kylan King, Red Velvet, I hope they carry this energy, this work that they had over to AEW. I don't want their skills to fall off when they go back. I want what they did tonight to carry over in AEW, and hopefully it will make the women's division better. And you don't need a whole lot to do that because it still remains the worst one. But again, these women were great. And and Layla Hirsch was fantastic. And she really climbed back up the ladder for me. So good for her. Good stuff all around. Great baby face. You know, legit. Someday she'll win a, a belt somewhere. Uh, just not her day today. Finally, if that wasn't long enough, finally, we get to the invitational gauntlet match where uh, I believe it was eight, seven or eight uh, competitors, seven or eight women's wrestlers had the opportunity at the end of the gauntlet to face Camille at NWA 73 tonight. So that's crazy. So we're not only carrying that energy for an amazing all women's promoted, all women produced pay-per-view, but we're going to carry that same energy and she's and Camille's going to defend the belt again one more night. I mean, you know, heavy's the head that wears the crown, right? Nick Aldis loves to talk about how uh, he's trying to carry on the tradition of being a fighting champ, just like they did in the NWA when 
Harley Race, Ric Flair, all these guys would do two, three shots, would, would have all comers left and right for the belt. You know, he talks a big game about it. So, well, it shouldn't be any different for the women. And if Camille can do it, she can do it. So we'll see. Um, but, yeah, so this uh, battle of gauntlet involved Chelsea Green, Kiera Hogan, Thunder Kitty, who I was happy to see there, Genocide with Taryn Terrell at ringside, Lady Frost, who was a favorite of NWA, and she's very good. Uh, I don't know much about her. Um, Debbie Malenko, who, and I had to do a little bit of research about this, but Debbie Malenko, trained by the Malenkos, went to Japan to compete for All Japan Pro Wrestling, broke her ankle, came back home, semi-retired from professional wrestling, and now at 40 is trying to get back into it again. And uh, it's not just a favor done for the Malenko family. Uh, she legit threw some chicks across the ring. So uh, she's back, and hopefully she'll be back in the NWA as well. You had uh, Masha Slamovich, another indie favorite as far as female wrestlers go. You had Jamie Senegal, the uh, NWA's first transgender, post-operative, fully transgendered female wrestler, uh, accompanied to the ring by uh, uh, cross-dressing, or actually it's a cross-dressing, uh, uh, transgender manager, Polo DeMar. Um, and then you had another person, another female, uh, Check the name, Bianca Corelli. That's right, Bianca Corelli. For those of you who are more familiar, her father is his last name is Corelli, but he didn't go by Corelli. He went by Morella, as in Santino Morella. That's right, Santino Morella's daughter was in this Invitational Gauntlet, and just like Jazzy Yang, she was pretty daggone good for her uh, debut and. The hometown hero, who I fell in love with tonight, uh, the Green Dragon or the Blue Dragon, Tootie Lynn, all rounded out this gauntlet match. Normally, gauntlet matches are complete messes. They went after each other. They went at it. I mean, right off the bat, Chelsea Green and Kira Hogan went at it. And uh, although I didn't like how they ended and waited for Bianca Corelli to make her debut, but they ended it with rolling pins back and forth, which was kind of a Scott Hall, I forget the spot type deal. But I guess they could do it for nine seconds. It worked. Then Bianca Corelli made her debut and, you know, they put her over as her dad trained her in, ju in judo, jujitsu uh, and pro wrestling and boxer. She's apparently a really good boxer, too. And she came in and she she cleaned house, man. She did a lot. Uh, Kiera Hogan, who I believe has been wrestling as a heel for a while now. Uh, you know, uh, came in and fed to uh, Corelli, who had some, you know, some punches and kicks and uh, took her over. I think she took Chelsea Green over with the judo throw as well. Uh, and then she held the stance like her dad did, right? Like, come on, come and get it kind of stance. Uh, fantastic work. She's, I mean, and she doesn't, she's not that young. I mean, she's not that old either. I think she's only like 18 and 19. So this young talent, NWA, is set up for a very long time. Uh, the next, uh, we're going from one of the youngest competitors in the match to arguably the oldest competitor in the match. That's right. Indie favorite Thunder Kitty 
made her way to the ring. And as you know, Thunder Kitty is 100 years old. She was uh, she wrestled in the 30s and 40s. Obviously, that's where she got her start. She was born in 1921, so she is 100 years old. And she came in a house of fire, uh, coming in and just hitting everything that moved. Went after uh, Kara Hogan, went after Bianca Corelli. And uh, I was surprised uh, that uh, the NWA let her back. After all, they were... Uh, trying their hardest to keep her from Mildred Burke because they were probably threatened that Thunder Kitty would have beat her for the belt. But either way, she gets to come back um, all these years, like 80 years later, to uh, fight for the very belt. And it made a really good showing of herself. Next, uh, Genocide hit the ring with Taryn Terrell. And uh, she's clearly the bigger and strong. She was the biggest and strongest wrestler in this match, which caught the attention of everyone else who went after her and there was a lot of double teaming on her but again big powerful moves uh big boots to the face and, and just just frightening 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 genocide and i don't know too much about her but what i saw was completely terrifying speaking of someone i don't know a whole lot about lady frost came in next um She's a, definitely a fan favorite of the NWA, and she's very athletic. She has a lot of good high-flying moves. She played it smart. She did not come in. She pulled a Royal Rumble like a Ric Flair or Shawn Michaels Royal Rumble. She just walked around the side and just, just kind of surveyed the land. Meanwhile, Kara Hogan and Bianca Corelli were going at it with some really good uh, spots together. It looked pretty, pretty, uh, pretty damaging. I don't think we had our first elimination yet because then Debbie Malenko, like I said, came in. Uh, Jamie Senegal came in. Uh, she came in like on fire with a lot of the kicks and, and, and flips and stuff. Uh, mixed it up with a couple of people. I believe at some point Bianca Corelli was eliminated. And so let's see. Uh, and then just the Lady Frost was also eliminated. Uh, I believe it was by Genocide. Uh, and then Maria Slamovich, another one, uh, indie darling I've never seen before, but like I tweeted, she did not get paid by the hour. She ran to the ring as there was a lucha spot outside. She just came off the top rope and cannonballed everybody. That was her for, That was her initiation into the Scotland match. And then all hell broke loose after that. Uh, Maria Slamovich uh, like got some great drop kicks and great kicks in the face, uh, great roundhouse kicks. Uh, not like Zia Lee, just straight up just – giving Mercedes Martinez a concussion, but very good nonetheless. And then the last entrant, the hometown favorite, the uh, the Blue Dragon, Tootie Lynn, came in and just cleaned house, whipping off Hurricane Ronas, whipping off arm bars, coming off the arm drags. It was fantastic. I liked her a lot. Uh, and she even got the hometown rub where she eliminated a couple of people and she was in the final four. Uh, Jamie Senegal, by the way, with a nice handspring back uh, kick and uh, another arm drag. I think uh, she arm dragged Lady Frost or Lady Frost arm dragged her off the top rope. So, I mean, you know, the action was just going just fast and furious. It was hard to keep up at times. But the final four ended up being Chelsea Green, Kara Hogan, Tootie Lynn, and Maria Slamovich. Uh, there was at some point a tower of power uh, that worked to uh, perfection to the dismay of Tootie Lynn because I think she was the victim of it. And then Tootie Lynn got a, a great 
like pin on uh, Slamovich, and both she was a both uh, Slamovich and uh, Kara Hogan were eliminated too. Kara Hogan, by the way, did a nice thing again. This is what we're talking about when we're talking about live pro wrestling, right? So Debbie Malenko had Chelsea Green in a surfboard printing predicament, and as she pulled her back. Debbie Malenko's shoulders were obviously to the mat, whereas uh, Kira Hogan crawled over and got the pin on Debbie Malenko, eliminating her that way. So that was a nice way to integrate, you know, the older wrestler in and, and, and give her kind of the, the rub, but also not make it look like, uh, you know, it was like a forced thing. This was a forced elimination. Kind of gave us a little bit of a surprise. Uh, so at some point, it ended up being Chelsea Green versus Tootie Lynn. Uh, Chelsea Green tried the unprettier, didn't work. Backslide, didn't work. Uh, the two uh, women fought. Uh, a lot of grappling, a lot of grappling. But in the end, Chelsea Green slipped underneath, uh, had a nice clothesline, and then followed that up. There were short-arm clothesline held on, and then had a nice kill switch or unprettier, whatever you want to call it. Blasted Tootie Lynn's face right into the match in one, two, three. And inaugural cup winner, gauntlet winner, who now has a shot at the NWA Women's Heavyweight Championship match. I'm sorry, the Women's Championship belt tonight at NWA 73. The hot mess, Chelsea Green. Fantastic ending. A lot of fun, a lot of good pay-per-view, you know, pay-per-view moments. Some clunky, but otherwise it was really good. The matches were paced perfectly and in the end with a nice finish with all the women coming down and congratulating um i don't think you saw a lot of the heels out there so they still kind of kept that true um but uh chelsea green was congratulated by the baby faces and uh she held up the cup uh tootie lynn got a huge hometown pop her entire family was in the front row cheering her on it was fantastic you know the nwa again does it right with a hometown pop uh, but Chelsea Green was clearly the one that was that was going to go over. Um, WWE again messed up. They should have just tried to let Chelsea stick through. Uh, and uh, you know she's a fantastic wrestler, so it's a shame that what happened. But again, things happen for a reason, right? And now she is the Invitational Cup Gauntlet winner with a nice big trophy that she held over. And then there was a fan who got a poster, which was really awesome, which said, "This isn't just women's wrestling. This is." wrestling history or something like that. This is this is professional wrestling. So that was a nice touch and Chelsea Green held it over her head and the ending was great. So to conclude a very long rant about this pay-per-view, uh this this pay-per-view was very good all around. Was it, there were some choppy bits, some bits that weren't perfect, but nothing ever is. As far as the direction Everywhere was the, there was obviously clearly rational, solid reasons for the stories they told. The matches worked. There was no bad psychology in any of the matches. Uh, real, it, you know, some of the matches weren't supposed to be hard hitting. Some of them were. You had Perazzo versus Molina, which was a hard hitting match. We know that. Uh, we know that you were going to get uh, two tag team matches with uh, up-and-coming stars that uh, you know, you're going to expect for a while. Don't think that the free babes are out of it. 
Don't think that the Free Babes aren't going to chase. Don't think Hell on Heels isn't going to chase. Um, don't think Red Velvet and Kylie King won't be back. I mean, as a matter of fact, I mean, if I'm Tony Khan, I would seriously consider a women's belt, the tag team belt, and maybe even give it to King and Red Velvet. Who knows, right? There were parts that, you know, were kind of clunky, like uh, the first match, or not the first match, the second match, you know, the second semifinal, uh, but or the first semifinal, but other than that, like, the... The, the, the pace of the match was great. Oh, they were all how they were laid out. How are they supposed to be laid out? Um, the talent is there. Women's wrestling can be this good consistently, can draw well. And I was not trying to go in with any expectation. I was not trying to go in with any um, anything that I was looking forward to. Like, it needs to be like this. It needs to be like that. Uh, maybe I was going in with a little bit of, like, sense of I'm glad this is happening so I'll take whatever I can get because like I said earlier I didn't want it to be a thing where I was just rooting for it to just because it existed they really tried hard to get women who can wrestle women who knew what they were doing a good match of veterans versus up-and-comers versus people who are just starting in the business and it all matched they all knew what they were doing everybody from Jazzy Yang to Allison Kay to everybody just they all had it going it was a great chemistry it was a great mix and final point anybody that says that women's wrestling isn't a draw is just not do, doing it right or they're not putting the effort to do it right so i had a great time overall i don't want to give it stars or body slams or heels and faces but i tell you what it was probably i would say it was a good b it was entertaining and worth my time and I really hope that the NWA takes this and runs with it. I hope to see a lot more Empower. I hope to see a lot more women's only pay-per-views so the fans can get what they want. Which, again, leads up to NWA 73 tonight. And if you want my prediction on NWA 73... My prediction is that Ric Flair is going to be there. That's the only prediction I have. Because let's face it, I should have been, but I really haven't been paying much attention to NWA. I know that the main event is Nick Aldis versus Trevor Murdoch for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship belt. I do know that there's a tag belt match as well with Kratos and uh, Aaron Stevens. Other than that, I really don't know what's going on in the NWA. And... I'm not even going to try. All I'm going to know is what I will know when I watch it. So maybe maybe I'll mention it next week on next week's show. I don't know. If you liked NWA Empower, if you thought it was dope, leave a comment. Uh, get a hold of me on the Heel and Face podcast Twitter page. Get a hold of me on all my other social medias. Just type Heel and Face podcast in and you'll be able to find me. Uh, I had a really fantastic uh, you know, weekend, especially watching NWA and Power. Thought it was fun. If you want to uh, talk more about it with me, just feel free to do it on all my social media forums formats. Um, that's it for the show. And thanks for tuning in to the Heel and Face podcast brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. It's me, it's me, the big old Stevie C saying ta-ta for now. Have fun. Enjoy the rest of your day. And as always, peace.